Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Josh, co-founder of Urban Valor. Welcome to another episode of the Urban Valor podcast. Our guest today is Air Force veteran Megan Rodriguez. Megan grew up with both sides of the tracks in her family. Her mother was part of the L.A. gang life while her father was a law enforcement officer. In this episode, Megan relives a traumatic sexual experience during her time in service and leaves us with the importance of dealing with your mental state of mind. If you enjoy this episode, go give us a five-star rating. Please leave a comment to help support our veterans. The bigger the community, the bigger the impact. If you'd like to contribute your story to Urban Valor or know anyone else who may, reach out to us on Instagram at Urban Valor TV, or you can email us at team at UrbanValor.com. Enjoy the show. All right, here we are. How you doing, Megan? Hey, I'm doing well. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, it's our pleasure. Um, uh, let's just start off. Uh, why don't you tell us um, the, your branch of service, um, what your job was, mm -hmm. and the rank that you got out as. Okay. So I was in the Air Force. Um, I was a Security Forces member, and I was an E3 when I got out. Okay. And uh, I'm sorry, your first and last name. Oh, Megan Rodriguez. All right. Um, let's just, uh, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, where you're from? Sure. And uh, what your upbringing was like. Okay. Um, so I'm from Northeast LA, uh, basically across the train tracks from East LA. And uh, I grew up in an area called Eagle Rock, California. My mom was from a gang. Uh, and she lost me when I was very young. Um so I grew up with my father most of the time. I was with my dad, and he was a single father, had three jobs, and put me into good school. Mm. Uh, it was hard growing up. I, Even though I was very active and was in sports and um, was taken care of, I guess, um, I always mourned my brothers. I always mourned my mom. So... I remember my childhood as being very stressful, um, very traumatic, crying a lot, um, angry. And uh, in elementary school, I was bullied. So it was just a lot of different things going on for me at the same time. Uh, your your uh, your brothers being incarcerated. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned that your 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 mom was in a gang. Um, did your brothers follow footsteps in the yeah. gang life? Is that kind of what led yeah. to being incarcerated? Um, so, my my brothers, unfortunately, they didn't have the best role models growing up. They didn't have a father figure, and although although they lived with my mom and me and my father, um, they weren't taken in as such. So um, they continued to be on the streets, learn from the streets, and um, got in trouble a lot. Um, I know that I had a good relationship with them when I was growing up, but unfortunately, I can't remember a lot. Um, I don't remember a lot. I don't remember anything before fourth grade. Mm. Um, I do remember preschool a little bit, mm -hmm. but... Uh, I just, I have blockages that just, I can't remember 
um, a lot of things. And so since I didn't have my mom around, she was homeless in the streets of LA. My grandmother, my nana, uh, kind of took over her role. So sometimes I would call her mom and say, Oh, I'm sorry. She's like, no, Mija, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, and my father ha- would always get into these relationships where these women would resent me or get jealous because I was in a good school. I was in sports and my dad had me on a pedestal. So they called it. So it was really tough. Yeah. Um, was your dad part of the gang life as well? No. <laughs> and I should have clarified. <clears throat> so um, my, my mom was and uh, some family members are, but on the other side, it's a law enforcement. So my dad's actually a retired deputy sheriff. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. What inspired you to go to the military? Yeah. So what inspired me to go into the military was I wanted to bring honor back to my family, my family name. I just felt like we had lost, we lost so much. And I don't think the members of my immediate family think that or know that, but I felt I think I was around nine. I was like, I'm going to study my ass off. I'm going to go places and I'm taking you all with me. You know, like I just wanted to end things and I wanted to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I was going to Pasadena City College by this time and I was in the cadet program there. And um, when I... There was a a recruiting office across the street and they would come visit. And I was like, all right. I went home one day and I was like, dad, I want to be a Marine. And he just went crazy. (laughs) You know, he was just like, and, you know, I hope not to offend anybody, but my dad was just like, you want to come home in a body bag? You know, like he was just doing all these demonstrations in the front yard. I don't even know what he was doing, but he was like, look. I respect your decision, but can we please go look at the other branches? And then if you still want to be Marine, fine. He's always kind of given me that um, freedom to choose and trust in my choice. Um, So there we go. The next week, I was like, you're not going to change my mind. I want to be Marine. (laughs) So we go the next week. We go to the Army. We talk to them. We talk to the Navy. They seem kind of cool. We go to the Marines, and my dad was like, hell no, you're not going to be like that that lady. She had her hair in a bun, was smoking, looked just like she just came from Iraq. Like, she just, like, I was like, wow. And so my dad was like, okay, Air Force, the last office we're going to go to. And I'm like, all right. So we get to the Air Force office, and the blues were looked great on this guy. You know, he was just like. He was just squared away mm-hmm. and I was, and the way he spoke and, um, just the way he carried himself. I was like, I want to, I want to look just like that, you know, just very professional, very like just had it all together. Yeah. You know, that's what I was looking for, I guess. Right. And, um, so I told my dad, well, I'm going to go to the air force. And so I'm pretty sure he was that was a proud, happy moment in his life where his heart didn't sink to the pit of his stomach. Right. I bet. You know? 
And I was just like, I can't wait. Like, what's better than that? Mm-hmm. You know, what's better than going to the Air Force and bringing, you know, and representing my family like that? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, it's just a long time coming. So did you get to pick your uh, uh, job? So this is what happened. <laughs> um, they wanted me to work with satellites. And I mean, what a great job, right? Like I could have been wor- working with NASA. Mm-hmm. But I was so young and dumb that I was like, no, I got to be security forces. And they're, <laughs> they basically, not like this, but they basically told me, well, you really can't do that. Uh, you couldn't lift whatever, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, give me two weeks. So I go back home and I grambo. I'm training. I'm thinking I'm the coolest kid on the block. I'm working out and um, I don't even know what I did. But I went back in full force, you know, and I became security forces. Wow. You know, and I was just like, yeah, like I'm just fulfilling my my family's legacy right you know um and where'd you go to boot camp so i went to boot camp in um at san antonio my proudest moment was when my drone instructor coined me during graduation coined all of us mm-hmm. you know um what's that they give you a coin for graduation oh really yeah okay yeah um, I don't know if they do that in the other branches. Well, but. you know, I was in the I was in the Marines, so they mm-hmm. uh, it's probably similar to when they hand you your little eagle globe and anchor. I yes, okay. it's that. It's mm. the same thing. Yeah, got it. Um, and you know, right from the beginning, the drill instructor would tell my unit, the the girls' unit, you know, we don't want you here. You guys are girls. Like, we don't want you here. You're messing up the whole system. Oh, you wow. know, and he would tell us this all the time. And at first we were, we were fighting. Um, we couldn't get it together. So he hated us. Mm. But I think there was a trend with him. I think we weren't the only unit that, that faced that with him. Um, we're almost done with boot camp and he's starting to love us like if we were his own, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we didn't want to part ways. We'll be in contact forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, became high school real quick. <laughs> right. Um, and he started crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was it was a good experience. I, I enjoyed boot camp. Um, I was challenged, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I didn't mind that. So. And. I'm one of those people that got married the day I graduated. Boot camp? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> one of those. Wow. Um, so did you have a boyfriend going into boot camp? Yeah. Then? Okay. Yeah. I had my high school sweetheart at the time. And uh, he never had health insurance, didn't have the best education. And I was like, you know, let's, let's fix that. I'm, I'm the fixer now. Nice. Right? Like, that's just... It, that becomes a trend in life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, I go to our training, our extended, our academy training for security forces. And that's also in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And it's very humid. Um, me and humidity do not get along. Um, but I really enjoyed 
our cadences, um, our camaraderie, and our trainings. But definitely one thing that uh, scared me real quickly was the six foot wall that we had to jump over. Mm. I am short as hell. <laughs> and they were telling us like, if you can't, if you can't jump over this wall, go home, you know? And I, I called up my dad that same day and I was crying and I was like, this wall, like this physical wall is stopping me from my future. You know, usually it's a metaphor, mm -hmm. you know, walls, barriers, whatnot. And there's a physical one that's trying to get me washed out. Mm -hmm. So my dad's like, you got this, um, do what you got to do. So I'm swimming, doing laps, just <laughs> working out, trying to figure out how am I going to jump over this wall? So the day came and there's, everyone used it, not just me, but there's a, a, a sandbag on the, on the base of the wall. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people jump on that sandbag and it helps them jump over or whatnot. So it's my turn. And somehow when I jumped, my right leg hooked onto the top of the wall. And so did my weapon at the same time, like my arm mm -hmm. and my weapon. As I got to the top of the wall, for a brief half second that I had before anyone started screaming at me, I started crying. I was like, I made it. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I was like, Tears I'm on top of the fucking wall. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm on top of it. And then all you hear in the background, get the fuck down, Rodriguez, you know? And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, just back to reality real quick, you know, yeah. and just finish the obstacle, crawling or whatever I had to do next. And... I was just like, I get to stay in the Air Force. Wow. You know? So. Well, I mean, not only did you have to get over that wall, but uh, but you had to you had to do it with your weapon, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, but you know, I want to I want to um, backtrack a little. Go for it. The what really got me through boot camp, what made boot camp easier for me, it wasn't easy, but what made it easier for me was every time I had a challenge, every time. I was tired. I always thought about my brothers being there, cheering me on. Or if I had, if I just completed this last lap, you know, and at this speed, it would, it would release my brothers or they, they'd have their freedom mm. right now. They were your so motivation. They were my motivation for sure. Did you, um, did you get to write them? Yeah, I wrote them ever since I was a little girl, and at uh, least once a month. So while you were in boot camp, did you get to continue writing them? No, okay, not while I was in boot camp. And I didn't actually get to share that with them until recently. Mm. Uh, one of my brothers, he's back in prison, and um, you know he was he was sharing with me that he felt like he messed up and that he was a mess up and. Um, you know, brought shame. And I told him, no, like, you have no idea. You know, like, I know I make things look easy now that I'm older, you mm -hmm. know, things look like, oh, I just, I get paid, I do whatever I want, 
great, you know, but it took, it was a struggle getting here. Right. And it took me many times failing before I turned things around. Mm-hmm. You know, I told him what got me through boot camp. And he's like, I never knew that. Wow. So we share a lot, you know, a lot of um, just motivation to keep going. Mm. You know. Well, how did that make him feel when you told him that? Well, he's writing to me in a letter, so he's he's pretty good at expressing himself in his letters. They're usually three to five pages long, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and. Um, I probably see a side of him that he doesn't share with anybody else. Mm. So it's it's really cool. It's That's special. Special for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um so you ended up making it through security force school, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Uh and that was the first time when I when I well actually the first time my grandfather ever called me to acknowledge me was when I graduated. Um uh, boot camp, and I was like, "Wow, I must have done something really amazing." Wow, <laughs> you know. What do you mean by first time? And well, I didn't have a relationship with my grandfather growing up, but it wasn't anyone's fault. We just didn't have one, mm-hmm. and it it wasn't until that moment when I when I told myself I'm going to have a relationship with my grandfather, and I did. Mm-hmm. I made sure that uh, him and I are close now. So, awesome. um, but I I did have to tell my mom though. If you don't make it to my graduation, if you don't make it to my wedding, um, I will disown you. Mm. And I was very hard on my mom because of all the heartbreak growing up, not having her around, missing mother-daughter tea at school and all kinds of things. Um, but one moment I, I didn't forgive her for at the time was during my senior year of high school, uh, I ran for homecoming queen and long story short, I made it up to um, homecoming night and I figured if I went to her house, showed her how beautiful I looked, she would go. I go to her house and of course she's, you know, Miha, you look so beautiful. I'm going to be there for sure. And she never made it. So that was a huge disappointment. But you know who was there? <laughs> who? My dad was there with a cardboard box sign that said, Go <laughs> Megan. Oh. Very guy-like. <laughs> Not fancy at all, right? <laughs> like, so, you know, lone wolf, you know, but I, I had that. So I was like, okay, cool. That's awesome. So that's why. During that, uh, during graduation, and I was getting married, I told her, I will pay for you to come here. I will pay for you, whatever you need to get here. But if you're not here, I no longer want a relationship with you. She was there. Oh, she showed good, up. Good. She showed up. That's good. I had, there were several times in my life where I had to really put my foot down mm-hmm. with my mom. Just mm-hmm. to, Yeah. But um, so anyways, uh, after after um, Security Forces Academy, uh, I was stationed at Minot, North Dakota. Why not Minot? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was very cold, um, super cold. 
I come from California, so I'm not used to that. Yeah. Apparently, it's like sometimes it gets worse in Alaska. That's mm. what I've experienced. Um, but I loved it right away. I it was very country. I never had that experience before. Mm-hmm. I never liked country music before I got there. Now I love country music. Nice. It was a very hospitable town. And so, um, mind you, I was married and um, I had a house on base. Mm-hmm. But because my husband, my husband at the time wasn't there, I was kind of in limbo for two weeks. So I would sleep up with my girlfriends in their in the um, dormitories, and eventually I got a house, and it was a three story home, including the basement. But that's a three story home to me, mm-hmm. and uh, my husband never showed at the time. So I was able to call my mom and tell her, look. She was still on the streets at this time. And I said, Mom, I have a house in Minot, North Dakota. I want you to move in with me. She started crying. Wow. You know, and that was my goal growing up was one day I will have my mom live with me. But I was too young back then. I did I couldn't control any of the circumstances around me mm-hmm. until this until this point. So she caught the train, and she showed up. Wow. It was very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) My mom was a klepto. Okay. So she was very easy for her to... She had money, but she needed a steal. She needed to do something bad to feel good. (laughs) Right. Um, And I told her mom... I'm in security forces in the Air Force. I can't have you stealing. You're my mother. Right. Like, come on. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, one evening, I go out with my, with my unit. And the girls can't go. But a guy that was a part of my little crew was able to go. And I felt safer that way. I already knew, you know, (laughs) to be cautious. And I was like, oh, great. He's one of the girls. When you say part of your crew, is he also Air Force as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. So just the the unit I was in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the friends we made on base. Okay. um, We were part of fifth, um, fifth bomb wing. At the base. Okay. In the security forces unit. And a guy was always hanging around with the girls. And we thought he was gay or just, you know, felt more comfortable being with girls. So he was just one of us. So we go to the, we go to him and I, I pick him up in my truck and we go to a unit get together one of the guys lives off base and that's every newbie's dream. One day I'm going to live off base. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, we get there and it's very relaxed. It's like, we're just, we're just hanging out talking and someone makes me a drink 
um, whiskey and Coke. And I sip it about, we're probably there for like 10, 15 minutes only. And I sip my drink and all I remember was asking for somewhere to lay down. Um, So the host was very nice and was like, yeah, you can lay down in this room. So I go lay down and I'm just so tired, right? Out of like nowhere. Um, And then I see the guy that came with me enter the room. So I figured he's checking up on me, right? Probably came in the room like five minutes later, 10 minutes later. I don't know. At this point, I don't really have concept of time. Somehow we end up on the, he gets on the bed with me, but we end up on the floor. And um, all I remember is just in and out of consciousness. Just, I don't remember much, actually. Just, I do remember him on top of me, but I don't remember much. And I'm pretty sure I just went numb. And it's, it was just like a shadow, right? Like he was just there. Um, the next morning I wake up and I go to the restroom and my mascara is everywhere. And so I'm just cleaning myself up and everything. And I didn't even realize that we had slept over. So I'm parked outside and I still have to give this guy a ride home, but I knew something happened. And so as I'm giving him a ride, a ride back to the base, there's just tension in the car, like just awkwardness. Is it just you two? It was just us two. Okay. And he didn't really say anything to me. So I drop him off at base, on base, and I go to the, to the VA hospital, to the um, Tri-West, Tri-Care, mm-hmm. to the hospital on base as soon as I drop them off. And I go in there and I report that I've been assaulted and I need a whole, I need STD check, I need STI check, I need a pregnancy check. And they ask me, do you want us to report it to your unit? And I said, no, I just, I just want to make sure that I am okay. So, um, they said, okay. So I get checked. Everything's fine. Um, why did you say no? Because I just, so I said no, because one, I was married. And two, if I was to say that I was, that that happened, as security forces and like 1% of security forces is women, probably, I really don't know the percentage, but Mm -hmm. it's a very low number. Um, I felt that I was going to be ostracized and I just didn't, I just didn't want any issues being new there. Right. Um, and I kind of think I made the right choice because I ended up becoming harassed anyways. Mm. Um, it was a right choice for me at the time. Yeah. I, right away though, I compart compartmentalized it. I forgot about it as soon as I drove off the hospital parking area. Like, I just forgot about it. But it was subconsciously affecting me. And I didn't know why I was acting out. 
I didn't know why my marriage was falling apart. It never occurred to me that it was because it could have been because of what had happened and I wasn't doing anything to um, address it. Mm-hmm. So my husband at the time finally came on base and my unit, right before he got there, my unit supervisor would ask me, where's your husband? Where's your husband? And I'm like, he's home taking care of his, his father. He's sick. Um, but they knew I was alone. And I would get uh, strange phone calls like right before work, probably an hour or two out. We had to report... Um, to the command around 0430 and I would get calls like at 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, um, strange calls. Um, so I was getting harassed, started to get harassed. And my unit supervisor would tell me, well, we don't want you talking to any of the males in the unit. And I go, why? We're in class, you know, like, We have to talk to each other, Mm -hmm. male or female. We're in class. And he's like, because it's all about perception. And your husband's not here. And I go, oh, okay. I was not brought up that way. So it was very odd to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm a huge feminist. So I didn't like that response. I didn't like to, I didn't like what he he told me or what he was implying. Mm -hmm. Most importantly, what he was implying. Um. So he would often pull me aside and uh, just talk about that problem, like my husband not being there and I shouldn't be talking to anybody else. Um, So that was already hard because I'm trying to connect with my new family, but being told that I'm doing something wrong. So when my husband did get there, now the command was starting to take me out of exercises and asking me about my marriage. And um, they're encouraging me to get a divorce because if I didn't get a divorce, I wouldn't be able to promote. And at that time, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really know how to think about it, to be honest. And I already had grown so numb and so um, just disconnected that I honestly didn't even care if that had happened. You know, I had, when my husband came to, um, to live with me at this point, I couldn't remember how it felt like to be in a relationship or to be with him. And I had, I could not remember any memories that we had created together before he came to the, to the house on base. So looking back, I realized, you know, I was dealing with a lot and I wasn't processing it. Um, and I was struggling, but it was just alone in it. So they would pull me out of trainings and um, they, they started to make up um, false incidents. Mm -hmm. So for example, I'll just give one. 
I was talking to my to my unit. We were about to go out to secure the missile heads. And I was even there with the E5, and we're all talking. And one of the command um, personnel, I don't know who he was or what rank he had, came to talk to me. So I, I, you know, we, we just spoke. Mm-hmm. And later on that day, he came back and called me into the office. So I go with him to the office and he wants me to sign an article 15. And I go, what is this? And I start reading it. And he said, because when he was talking to me, I was giving him attitude. And I go, what? I've never in my life have given an authority or an older member in my family attitude. You know, I was very professional and was standing correctly And I don't deserve this Article 15, you know, and I had witnesses, you know, and I went back and I talked to the sergeant that was there with me. And he's like, he couldn't believe that that was happening. So somehow I became a target for them to constantly like just, I don't know, attack. Mm -hmm. Um, It was getting exhausting. Going to work was getting stressful. Very fast. By winter time, I've only been there like two, three months now. By winter time, all the women in my unit were pregnant except for me. And I was like, I didn't get the memo. Wow. <laughs> you know? And I kid you not, I come into this middle of a circle of the girls and I'm happy for them, you know? Uh, but I was just like, felt very out of place even with them. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not trying to go down that road, even especially so early in my career. Like that just wasn't on my mind. Not everybody, but in my particular unit, they were pregnant. Um, so as things got more tough, my husband and I filed for a divorce. We were only married nine months. And I had no emotion, no opinion towards it, just very numb. And he was sitting there crying, begging, bleeding. And I look at him like if he was just some, like if he was the wall, you know, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't respond. I couldn't stop anything. All I can do was observe and watch and move on. So, um, he ended up leaving and in about a month later, the air force was going through force, force shaping where they cut personnel and replace us with contractors. So they had put me in a, uh, the cleaning up crew because of my article 15 and I don't know what their agenda was or their plans or anything like that, but the next time I spoke to the first sergeant, he gave me an option. He's like, you can either stay in the military or leave. 
And he had a list of all the people they were letting go. So this was across the board. It wasn't because of me or anything going on. Um, they were literally letting they were letting us go voluntarily. Um, so I didn't hesitate when I said, let me go as long as I get my, my benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point they wanted to strip me of my, of my, um, stripes. And I said, no, most of these stripes is because I'm educated. You can't take that away from me. Secondly, I'm not doing what these guys, what these men are saying that I'm doing. You know, mm-hmm. I had to, it was a constant fight. I wasn't even th- there on base for a whole year yet. Wow. And they just wanted to get rid of us or of me. Um, when you say let you go, like meaning get out of the Air yes, Force completely? get out of the Air Force completely. Wow. Not even just to some other job or duty station. No, no I was just, mm. just let me go. Wow. So how long did you end up? doing in there so i was in the air force technically for a year and a half wow and i jumped on it to leave as fast as i could mm-hmm. Reasonab- my not base so. was so corrupt it wasn't just with me i seen it with how they were treating new captains and new other new personnel that would come to base the leadership would change the new leadership they would come with very positive good vibes they would talk to all of us during their um when they would scout our posts they would talk to us two three months in they were a complete different person and i knew that something was happening where they're being pressured to be corrupt. Um, in fact, okay, one last example. <laughs> um, I was really happy when there was a new when, when new when new leadership came through. Um, I forget the guy's name, but he was a new. I think he was a new captain. He was very upbeat. Um, him and his wife came from another station and I was excited just to have new blood there. Um, and he would go around checking up on us while, while we were securing the missiles. And he actually helped me go home while, while my grandmother was dying. Mm. I was able to go home before before she passed away. And I was grateful for that because he had asked me what's going on in your world, you know, what's happening. And I had expressed to him, well, sad that I have to be out here that while my family needs me, but, you know, it's I'm fine. He helped me um, go home. Two months later, uh, I, I, it's known with, security forces that him and his wife were having problems and divorcing or whatever. Um, as he's coming to work, it's his whole vibe has changed. While one day, uh, sec- some of us had to secure the, the building. We were in a training. 
and I had to secure an entrance. Don't let anyone in, don't let anybody out. And I had seen him before I got to post and he was going back and forth to the Humvee, um, replacing equipment and getting ready for his own training. And I was like, shoot, like, I don't want to mm. be here. <laughs> I don't want to be here right now. Mm-hmm. So I relieved the last guy of duty and I get posted there. Well, lo and behold, he comes storming out of the entrance and I grab him by his vest and push him back in front of me. And I said, I'm sorry, but I can't let you go. And he was like, you, you know, he just got all up in my face and um, with knife hands and <laughs> talking down to me. And I'm basically backed up into the wall in the corner. And I said, I'm sorry, you cannot leave. And I don't know if this, if this, if they're testing me or if this guy doesn't really know what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you cannot leave. I will not let you leave this door. And, you know, he's yelling at me and my face is just, I'm just looking at him. While a master sergeant and somebody else, they were watching the whole thing. And they got on him really fast. And, uh basically told him, you know, she's doing her job. You owe her an apology. And you better believe I ate up that apology. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And they coined me right there right there and then. But just something about him had just changed and snapped. Wow. Snapped. So when they offered me to leave, there was no turning back. Mm. And I told myself, I'll be back. What was uh, what was your transition like after you know doing that year and a half um, or so? You know, what was your transition like getting back into the civilian life? Especially having gone through what you experienced. So I didn't know yet that I still did not remember of the incident. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't remember it. It never came to my mind. It never stopped me from anything. Right away, I enrolled at Minot State University. I enrolled there and um, I was on the dean's list the first semester. Um, I was volunteering. I was back to what I would, what I'd like to do. Then I moved to California that summer. I moved back here to California with my mom. My mom was still with me. We lived off base, obviously, but we moved back to California and I enrolled in school over here. I still don't remember uh, the incident. I really, really packed it somewhere far within me so that I can survive. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to these veterans events I'm listening to other women and their experiences and I'm sympathizing with them. And I'm like, wow, she's a survivor. You know, and they, we call ourselves survivors of MST, military sexual trauma. Excuse me. And uh, I was like, wow, like for them to talk about what they're talking about, that's crazy. And there's a lot of them, right? So I'm looking at them like, I can't believe this happened to you. Right? Mm-hmm. I think years later, about two or three, two or three years later, as I'm driving home from one of these events, 
it clicked. I'm a survivor of MST. I had a pullover. I had to call my partner at the time. And he was just like, are you okay to drive home? And I was like, yeah, I am. But I can't believe this whole time. I'm looking at these women like, wow, you know, well, good thing that never happened to me. Right. Not wow. realizing that it did. Wow. You know, and um, it just all rushed. It just all clicked out of nowhere. I had forgotten the guy's name, the perpetrator. I had forgotten his name, but I remember what he looked like. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a Dodger game when I went with a friend of mine and I saw the name. And I was like, oh, Howie, that's a cute name. And as soon as I said that, it dawned on me, that was his name. And I looked to my friend and I'm like, I remember his name. And she had no idea what I was talking about. And I go, and, but she knows what I went through. And I said, his name's Howie. And I'm pointing to the, to the Dodger player, Howie. Mm -hmm. And I go, the guy's name's Howie. And I've said his name before, mind you, um, in the past, but I'll say it again. And, uh, so throughout the years, there's been experiences or incidents where I'm triggered by something that will help me remember and make that connection. Um, so... I went on to undergrad. Uh, I founded the Veterans Association on my campus. I went on to grad school. I revitalized the Veterans Club on that campus. My transition's been good, but I think those skills, those coping skills came from somewhere else, Mm -hmm. you know, from my childhood mainly. Did you ever, uh, uh, did you ever seek help for that? Like any type of professional help? Yeah, so in undergrad was the first time I saw a therapist. Mm. And our first two or three sessions, I was just on the on the floor bawling. I was like, I'm so sorry, I never do this. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where this is coming from. And I was just so vulnerable. I had no idea where these emotions were coming from. And Continued ever since to have a therapist. Till this um, day? Till this day. Good. Now I see my therapist twice a month. It's gone up because I need that. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, you know, I was, for me, I felt like I was betrayed many times growing up. Never thought that was going to happen in the military. So... I think that I was able to um, still navigate my life thereafter in the transition. I got my, you know, I have my graduate degree now. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. But it, it has been, um, I, I encourage therapy for everybody. Yeah. You know, and to be honest with your therapist, which... It hasn't been until recently that I've been completely honest. Like, look, I need you to know 
who I am and what you're working with or else I'm not going to get the best advice. Yeah, it still it still takes time that you know just because you go see a doctor, you know, there's no, you know, just immediate trust, right? right. It still takes time. You still got to get to know that person, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um wow. Um would you say that <clears throat> the stuff that you experienced all the way uh you know from your, you know, early childhood with your brothers going to prison, uh, your mom being on the streets, um, you know, dealing with you with the traumatic experiences that you dealt with while in the Air Force. Um, is there any positive that came out of that? You would say that yeah. you know made you who you are right now. I'm very independent, but not independent where I am closed off to love. It's more like I know how I was treated. And what I didn't have, and I don't want other people to feel that. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to have a tribe, an authentic tribe, not superficial, an authentic tribe. People that will call you on your bullshit. You know, people that will push you to grow. Mm -hmm. I've been engaged in the veterans community for over a decade now. And the people I've met, and the experiences that came along with it and the opportunities have been endless. And it's not because I served in the Air Force. It's because I'm engaging with these people. And I feel like a lot of times we become hermits when we come out. But the key is to engage, you right. know, to start talking, to volunteer, to be a part of something greater than yourself. Yeah. So if it wasn't for that, I don't think I'd be where I'm at, but definitely it's made me a very strong woman. Um, I did start my own business this year. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. It's called MXNG Enterprises LLC. And it's, I literally, it became legit August 4th. So that's its birthday. All right. Um, and I think, you know, I'm not perfect. Nobody is, but definitely still working on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you kind of just touched on it a little bit, but, um, you know, uh, I, a hundred percent agree with you about, you know, being, um, part of a, a community, you know, getting, especially if you're a veteran, getting back involved in the veteran community, mm -hmm. um, and aligning with the people, you know, that, that have similar experiences, um, like you, instead of getting out and being a hermit. So, right. um, and you kind of just touched on that. Um, but, and this is why, you know, we started this project here at Urban Valor, because uh, you're essentially doing that right here, right now, right? Mm -hmm. You're telling your story. So um, I just like to get a little bit uh, 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 of feedback from you of what you think about this project. And, uh, um, you know, do you, um, yeah, just tell me a little bit about what you think of it. I think this project is just exactly what we need right now. There's a lot of organizations and entities that have forgotten about our veterans and what we do, what we experience. There's a lot of biases. Um, and I always feel that education just really is the catalyst for um, a better world. And the more we, we make people aware, uh, yeah, aware of our stories, our needs, 
um, we're very humble people. I told my, myself before coming here, I don't need to share my story. It's not important, you know. But if I'm not here, then I can't really encourage other women and men to share theirs, yeah. you know. And it does take a lot of courage. I had to, as I was telling you earlier, I went hiking this morning, did some yoga and breathing techniques, got a massage just so that I can do this. You know, and it takes a lot of self-care and self-awareness to realize like, yeah, I'm scared. I'm anxious, but it needs to be told over and over and over again. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, we're going to get ready to wrap it up. Um, I could sit here all day. It's already been an hour. It's already been an hour. Can you believe <laughs> wow. that? Um, but before we cut the tape, you know, is there anything you'd, you'd like to say before we end it? <sighs> I think the biggest thing is to find our tribe. When we surround ourselves by people that really care about us, um, they'll just remind us that we're worth it. You know, yes, we can get overwhelmed and scared and we can even stop and rest for as much time as we need. I've been resting for two years now and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But once we're ready to jump back on the horse and remind ourselves that we're worth it, um, you know, it's a lot easier when you have a tribe of people that can help you do that. Right. Well, all right. Well, uh, you know, here at Urban Valor, we really appreciate you, um, you know, having the courage to come take a seat and telling your story. It means the world uh, to us, obviously. Um, you know, uh, it's veterans like you that are the backbone of this organization. So um, thank you for being here, Megan. Thank you for your thank service. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Push it to the limit. I can't go no more.